0: What is up fence fam and welcome to the fence expert podcast, a podcast devoted to anything and everything fence, whether it's tools, guests, or answering your fence related questions, you've come to the right place. This podcast is sponsored by ozfence.store, your one-stop shop for all your fencing related hardware. Right now, they're offering a free shipping of $150 or more, and if you use the discount code podcast, you can save 15% in addition to the free shipping. With all that being said, let's dive into this week's episode. What is up, Fence fam? So good to be with you guys again. Good to see you guys virtually as it were. If you're watching live, of course, if you're listening to this, you're you're hearing a recorded version of a live Q&A that I host every Saturday at 10 a.m. Central. Usually goes for, I don't know, an hour plus or minus. Uh, yep, almost every Saturday except for holidays and you know. Anyway, so uh, if you would like to if you'd like to have your questions answered live, by all means, tune in. Search uh, Joe Everest YouTube, Facebook, or you can watch on TikTok. TikTok is now uh, live on a behind the scenes type thing. And once TikTok and StreamYard get together and let the APIs talk, I can just take. TikTok right up here. Anyway, hope you guys are doing super well. Hope you guys are staying busy. Let's say hi to a few folks. Stevie Boy Billings was here way before. Good afternoon, Joe and the Fence Fam. Good afternoon, Stevie from across the pond. Robert Looker. Hey, hey, how's my fence dude and dudettes? This fence dude is doing okay, Robert. Appreciate you tuning in. (laughs) Nathan says, I just saw this guy. Here we go. Nathan, uh, yeah, I took some wire over to Nathan yesterday, took a running trip over to Tulsa uh, while we were there. We also recorded a episode on the Protecting Your Radius podcast, so you should uh, check that out as well. So Protecting Your Radius, not a, well, not only a podcast, uh, most of it was on video. And we'll leave it at that. You'll have to you'll have to tune in to see what that comments about. But uh, Nathan, so good to see you. So good to have you uh, here with us, guys. If you read the title, you know exactly who today's guest is. We've got Clint with NAFCA. Clint, how are you? How's it going? Very good, very good. I appreciate you making time to come on the show.
1: Absolutely, it's good to be here.
0: Now, Clint, for, for like the two or three people out there that may not know what NAFCA is, could you give us a rundown on uh, who, the who, what, when, where, why maybe of uh, NAFCA? No. Clint, are you with us? All right. Well, Clint was totally live when we did the pre-show rundown. But he seems to be frozen up now. So uh, NAFCA stands for the North American Fence Contractors Association. Um, they of course, obviously North America, not only the United States, but also um, also Canada, and I would assume Mexico as well. So uh, they're a pretty wide ranging uh, organization. they put on different trainings and service events, which is what I hope we're gonna be able to talk about today. Let's try it again. Great be there.
1: I am. Can you see me now?
0: There you are. There you are. (laughs) Uh, Why don't you give us a brief rundown on NAFCA, the who, what, when, where, why, probably.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So NAFCA was founded in 2011. Uh, There were a group of fence contractors that felt the contractor was a little bit underrepresented. Uh, So they wanted to really put some focus on the contractor specifically. So in 2011, a group of about 10 contractors got together and formed the North American Fence Contractor Association. Okay. Uh, I've been directly involved since 2016 as the director. Okay. Very
0: good. Very good. And North America obviously implies that it's not just the United States. It's also the other North American countries. Uh, Canada, obviously.
1: Uh, possibly Mexico? We have had Maybe Mexican Central. members in the past, uh, but they uh, we don't have any current, but we're always open okay. to it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
0: So NAFCA is uh, it's a contractor-focused fo- uh, association. Um, tell me a little bit about the organization, like how the organization, I don't know, uh, benefits contractors maybe, or just helps the industry.
1: Yeah, sure. So we have a group of volunteer board of directors uh, and we meet either via Zoom or in person about every month to two months we have a few primary activities. Uh, We do a fence training school every year in February that teaches a nice wide array of fencing disciplines. Um, So if you're wanting to get into being a fence contractor or if you're wanting to expand your skill set, it's a really good opportunity because you're going to have your hands on aluminum, PVC, wood, farm and ranch. So you get a nice taste of everything. Um, sure we do get some people that you know say i'm never going to touch farm and ranch Uh, but once they go through the class there are things that they learn that they can apply to the other other divisions and other things that they do so it really works well to give them that wide sampling absolutely
0: well and that's it that's the never say never thing right is you don't know when you're going to be in the middle of a project and we'll see this happen is it'll be it'll be a large residential project that has a sliver of ag in it. You know, maybe it's the, the front, the road frontage and the sides are ranch rail or something like that, but they want to do some ag type woven wire across the back or high tensile, whatever they're wanting to do across the back to where, you know, had, had we not gone through some training on that and at least know the basics of it, uh, we might not have been able to, might not be able to take care of the customer.
1: Absolutely. Sort of the other big benefit of our school is each of the projects are real world applications. So when we're installing that gate operator or that ornamental aluminum or that chain link backstop for a baseball field, it permanently stays there, benefiting the city of Seabury, Florida. So there's no half measures in the installation. There's nothing like, Hey, if we were really doing this, we would set it this way, but we're not because we have to tear it out in two days.
0: (laughs) Right. 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 It is is for real. It's staying it's staying permanently. Absolutely. Interesting. Good to know. So a little bit, so that's coming up in February, you said? Correct. All right. So I believe Mark is on top of dropping the links in there so you can see the what is NAFCA, but also the Fence Training School. But before that, you guys have, uh,
1: before that, you have the ops training coming up in October? That's right. So one thing we do is teach. The other thing we do is give back. Uh, So for over 10 years, we have done a volunteer service project at Arlington National Cemetery. Okay. Uh, So we'll get into that in a minute. But the day before the service project, we're going to do a business operations training. Uh, This is something that we had in the works. We actually started putting these plans together in December of 2019 for Uh, October of 20. (laughs) And uh, then the world ended. So uh, we had to kind of table that and get caught back up with everything. But we're in a position now, obviously, to go ahead and, and put these plans to work. So the day before uh, the Arlington Service Project, we're going to get together to do our business operations training. Okay. Let's go a little bit into that. What's involved in the business
0: operations training?
1: Sure. So it's going to start Wednesday evening, October 18th. And that's just going to be a social. Fence and friends get together, have a drink, network, catch up with some people might not have seen in a while. Sure. Uh, but the training itself will go most of the day Thursday. Uh, We're going to start the training off with the fine folks over at ArcSite are going to do a presentation on uh, the Fence Business Playbook, growth packs and data driving your marketing tips. Um, So it's been really good working with those guys and putting this all into action. So that will take up basically the morning. Over lunch, we're going to have the, the NAFCA annual board meeting and board of director election. Nice. And then in the afternoon, we have one session. That's a little bit up in the air. We should know about that in about a week okay. and then we're going to conclude it with doing a roundtable discussion, which you're going to lead for us.
0: Absolutely. I am really looking forward to that. When you'd reach out to me about it, I was like this. Yes. I love, it. I've been wanting to get out to the service project since I heard about it. And it's just for a variety of reasons that it was never in the cards. So I was like, this is the year where. A, I get to be a part of the service project, which we're gonna talk about in a minute, but also I also get to be helpful as far as, uh, you know, just like you said, leading the round table, uh, discussing things, basically revolving around marketing. That's that's really what I
1: enjoy a lot. Absolutely, so we're very excited to put this plan into action. This is one of the ways we benefit our members is doing things just like this. Uh, one of the neat things we're doing too is if you are considering joining or if you're going to be a new member for NAFCA, if you join and attend the business ops training in October, your membership will carry you through until the end of 2024. So you're kind of oh, nice. getting like a, a year and a half for the price of a year type thing.
0: Very good. Very good. So if you're out there watching and you thought about joining NAFCA, you could always come out to get uh, out to the October event to get a little bit extra for your dollars. That's right. Sir. Very good. So you said that was the day before, so Wednesday, Thursday. So tell me a little bit about the, the
1: service project that's uh, thereafter. Yeah. So for over 10 years, we've gone to Arlington and replaced some of their dilapidated fence with something new uh, that is donated by our members. Uh, so over the years, we've done ornamental aluminum or chain link in different parts of the park or the cemetery. Uh, so this year, what we're doing right next to the visitor center, there's some eight foot chain link that's a little bit past its prime. Okay. We're going to tear that out and we're going to install new eight foot ornamental aluminum uh, for about 180, 185 feet. Nice. Nice. It's a nice project. Good size yeah. project. It, it's, it is really, it sounds silly to say it's fun, um, but it is truly <laughs> really fun yeah. to go to, you know, it's a very solemn place. Uh, while we're there working, there are going to be funerals taking place. There's going to be people coming through to tour the facility, uh, to tour the cemetery. Um, But it is really great to give back in that way. You know, you're working alongside, you know, people that are the leaders of our industry um, and you get to build fence next to people that are building fence all around the country.
0: I like that, picking up tips and tricks that uh, from outside your market, that sort of thing. Yeah. So you said you guys have been doing this for 10 years. What have some of the uh, past projects looked like?
1: Uh, we have done a fair amount of chain link there, taking out a really old chain link that was kind of rusted and corroded and really passage prime and replaced it with fresh chain link. Nice. Uh, we've done areas along where all the tour buses line up to bring people in and out of the cemetery. Again, replacing old chain link with a lot of uh, al- ornamental aluminum. Um we did one project that was further up into the cemetery that was around one of the groundskeepers homes. Um, uh, okay. and it was, uh, I, I believe it's something like people can rent that or when dignitaries come in, they can stay in this old colonial style home. Nice. Um, yeah, we've, we've built a lot of chain link and a lot of ornamental aluminum around the cemetery.
0: Very good. Basically just keeping it maintained, keeping the fencing portion of it maintained and, in, uh, in good order.
1: Well, and you know, it's a government entity at the end of the day, and a lot of our government facilities don't have the budget to keep everything looking as nice as it should. And this is a chance for us to give back to those who gave it all. Uh, yeah. So that's why we like doing. And that's why my uh, my vendor members have no problem making the donation for something like this. They, they appreciate and enjoy being part of this project
0: yeah yeah one of a short list of of probably uh you know, national you know federal parks that should not go uh, unmaintained un- you know it should be at the top of the list is Absolutely. what i'm saying of of where uh yep. where we should focus at so uh all right so ripping out some chain link and making it ornamental aluminum eight foot tall
1: and it's a one-day project is that right it, it is. Um, it might roll past lunch, but I got a good idea we'll be done by lunch on Friday. Yeah. So
0: so, how many, I know it's always kind of probably up in the air until the day of, but typically how many contractors do you see attend?
1: We normally will see between 30 and 40 people at this event. Okay. Um, the COVID pandemic definitely put a, a damper on that. Uh, we did one like impromptu project uh, December of 21, we had like five or six people show up and we did our project last year in October. We had about 15 to 20, uh, this nice year here, I think we're going to be back up in that 40, 50 range.
0: I bet you're right. I mean, it, traveling is now kind of back to normal sort of thing. And, um, yeah, I, I have every inclination. I think, yeah, 40 to 50 is what I had in mind for what I expected us to see when we get there. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then also, so, so let's talk about where where are people staying there for the event? Do people need to make their own arrangements or how does that work?
1: So, if you're attending the business ops training, uh, your fee to get in does not cover your hotel. So, your hotel is on, okay. yourself, on your own. Uh, mm-hmm. But on the registration form, which will be going live next week, there is a preferred rate at the Hilton where the, uh, the training is going on. So, you okay. can use the link or call in with the code NAFTA to get a preferred rate for your stay nice. if you don't want to stay at the Hilton if you have travel points you want to use somewhere else you're welcome to book wherever you would like okay um, the Hilton is about five to ten minutes from Arlington National Cemetery so it's very convenient for the project nice. uh they have a really nice facility there for us to do the training at. very good very good
0: um is there a transportation from the hotel from Hilton to the to Arlington
1: or Typically, we don't get into needing to navigate that part of it. We'll okay. see what our numbers work out at. We sure. might have something available um, depending on how many. It might be easier to do a bus instead of everybody driving individually. Got it. Yeah, I was just
0: at, I was asking purely for myself on that one because I was like, "How are Mark and I getting to this? Should we rent a car or what?"
1: Um, Normally, there's enough people that are driving there that people will kind of carpool over, then you know, yeah. head back to the hotel.
0: Well, and in today's age of Uber and Lyft, that's probably a silly question. Probably not a question we'll ask moving forward, I guess. But yeah, it's
1: pretty um, easy to get around the the nation's capital.
0: Yeah, I I would guess so. I would guess so. But very good, very good. And so then the service project. So is a and then the service project is kind of the capstone
1: of this event. Correct. And what a lot of our members have done in the past is, you know, we'll do that project on Friday and then they'll take Friday afternoon toward the cemetery. They might stay till Saturday, go into DC, hit the Smithsonians, hit the mall, yeah. do the Washington Monument. So it, it, it's a really nice opportunity to make a trip out of it. Um, I've taken my own kids to the, the event a number of times and it's just, it's fun because your kids are there working along outside everybody, helping carry material and, yeah. and whatnot. And then you get a chance to go in and and see everything at the cemetery or at D.C. Absolutely. Well, it in the Smithsonian, so we were
0: talking before we got started that, uh, so we took an eighth grade trip. So the standard thing here in Springfield is the eighth graders all take a a spring break trip to Washington, D.C. Um, Smithsonian is absolutely my favorite. Um, Air and Space is specifically the one that uh, I think probably gets the most attention maybe. Um, So, we might, we haven't made our travel arrangements yet. So we might take that into account make a day of it and head over there. But very good. Very good. So let's dive a little bit more, uh, into the training. So we've got hands-on training. Uh, now who, who handles the training on that? The, the FIDS training, uh, in February.
1: So we have a very skilled set of instructors for each of the different disciplines. Um, Our overall school director is a gentleman by the name of Mark Prost. Mark has been in the industry forever. Um, And I work alongside Mark to coordinate and bring in the students and break down everybody into their groups. Um, And then at each different discipline, there are instructors, either one or two. And this group of instructors are people that have been in the industry for 30, 40 years. Um, in our aluminum class, we have you know Mr. Fence, Sean King, sure. uh, leading that one off, uh, yeah. which has been really fun to get to know Sean and work alongside with him. In PVC, we have uh, certain CertainTeed's Glenn Butterfield. He's been leading that class for us for the last few years. Our wood class is uh, uh, you know, an industry icon, Ray Stats and Qualine Fence. Yeah, uh, which he has led the wood class, I think, since the school's inception. That's before I was involved with the school, but okay. he's been going down there. And at 83 or 84, he's still going really strong, which is just uh, the amount of knowledge that he has and he shares with the students is fantastic.
0: <laughs> Incredible.
1: Yeah. Incredible. Uh, for gate operators, we have Shelby Kelland and Bill McCoy from uh, Chamberlain Liftmaster. Okay. Uh, so, And what's neat, too, is, you know, This isn't a school if you're going to want to do gate operators all the time. Sure. But if you want that taste in order to say, hey, you know, now I do have a little knowledge uh, of what to do if I'm trying to sell it or to to hire a subcontractor to take care of it, you can have an intelligent conversation in there. Uh, But they're doing work on actual operators that are being used by the municipal golf course.
0: Okay. All right. So legitimate hands-on kind of, but it sounds like more of an overview than just a highly technical
1: training. Correct. It, it's checking it out. It's going over the um, things that you need to look into for the safety features, uh, some of the okay. and things, like that.
0: Yeah. Which, to your point, we so we sub our automation out, and just it's easier for us. It. And we've got great partners here in town that do great work. Um, but you need to know what you're asking for, you know, and you also need to know what to look for when you do your final walkthrough. Right. Like just make sure our, you know, in, in basics, right? Like if, if the limits need reset, I'm not calling them out there for a service call. I'll run out there and reset the limits or some basic troubleshooting type stuff to know when to call them in. Um, so this, it sounds like this is probably going to be more towards that. Just here's, here's what it is. Here's how the basics of how it operates, that sort of thing. That's right. That's right. Good.
1: Very good. Um, for farm and ranch my dad actually teaches that class and i'll help teach it with him whenever he needs an extra hand occasionally we'll have somebody else down there as well but i get a chance to work with my dad and help teaching that part of it because that's what my, my day job is, is is running log cabin fence which is a, a farm fence company
0: nice nice let's get into that in a little bit because i like i like hearing you know both sides right the the maybe organizational side but also the background on on you the contractor as well Sure. Uh, so the training event, is it a two-day event?
1: How long of a training event is it? So we kick off the training Sunday evening with like a welcome social. Okay. Uh, and what we also typically do is NAVCA will have its board meeting that day. So the board members can get together, do some planning. It's kind of our kickoff for first meeting of the year, Makes uh, sense. first in-person meeting. Uh, we kick off with a social on Sunday night. Uh, in the past, the training has been three days, Monday, Tuesday, okay two thirds of the day, Wednesday, and it would conclude with a graduation dinner Wednesday night. Okay. One of the things that we have changed and we're doing this year, which is the first time for doing it, is we have added what we call the capstone project into the, the train. Okay. So we are going to, we found a really great project to do down there tied to our, you know, obviously we like to give back to Arlington and such. Sure. We're going to be building 625 feet of ornamental aluminum for the Florida Medal of Honor. The link is on our training site. I think I got the name right. Um, okay. But they're building a memorial to Florida uh, uh, veterans, I believe is what it is. Really? So we're doing 625 feet one day. Um, all the students will work together on it. And what this is, so each of those individual disciplines we are building fence, we're doing permanent installs, but we're also doing a repair to hurricane damaged PVC or something like that. Okay, yeah. What this capstone is, is, hey, this whole project has to be done. There's a gas line right here. How do you move those panels to account for the fact that that post was gonna go right through the gas line? Or Ooh. the gate needs to go right here. How do you adjust that panel section for that? So it's a way to really take everything that was being taught and just capstone it off tie it all off into one nice neat boat that they see all of those things brought together
0: yeah and it, well and it's nice having being part of a large project too because that's one of the downsides of some of the trainings is we're looking at three four five sections which is a good amount i mean to get foundational knowledge but when it comes to layout it's really beneficial to see a large project right yeah. like what happens when when you can't measure with a measuring tape, right? Like what happens when you've got a line that's 200 foot, 200 some odd foot, what does that layout look like? And to your point, yeah, if there's real world obstacles, how do you accommodate
1: for that? And how does it affect the rest of the project? Exactly. Uh, And this project really fell into our lap as a great way. We had discussed doing this capstone as a way to improve the school. Sure. And uh, Director Mark Cross came across this project for us he presented it and it's just perfect for what we want to do yeah uh, we've talked with sean sean we're going to be part of it as the no dig system driving i-beams yes we're going to be nice. part of it where we're actually setting the post you know dry pack perfect it. Uh, you know, we're not going to get into what's that drive pack we might be coming <laughs> to. That too but uh, it's going to be a chance to really show off multiple ways to install multiple ways to lay out you know nice. what happens when you encounter that very real world problem very good very good i like how you're kind of showing both of those
0: methods too uh, that way, because they're to each their own, right. But it's good to show both of them and how one affects the other, maybe too. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. And that's in Sebring, Florida. It is, is in right?
1: Sebring, Florida. Yeah. We've done this project in Sebring for a number of years. Uh, what's really nice or why we like going there, that golf course gives us the opportunity to do all the different disciplines in one really convenient place. Nice. We have a really nice hotel that's across the road. You can just walk right over to the golf cart, a golf course. Perfect. Uh, the teams are spread out. Each courses are in different areas, and we use the golf carts to get the teams, you know, the students from each place. So it works out really well, and we've built a really nice rapport with the city. I think I, I should have looked up the number, but we're over several hundred thousand dollars of product we've delivered and installed for the city of Sebring.
0: Very good. So, so you said you transport, use golf carts to transport the teams around. Uh, so, someone that shows up, do they sign up for a certain discipline or is it more round robin
1: with all of them? It's round robin. There, there's no compartmentalizing. When right. you sign up for the school, which uh, the registration is, I think, 3,000 or maybe 3,500, which is okay. not bad. It includes food, includes hotel. All nice. you have to do is get the Sebring for four days, five days. Perfect. Um, but no, we don't make the option that you skip a session, yeah. we want the students to see every session, uh, yeah. because there is just as much learned from, even if say, hey, I know everything there is to know about chain link. Sure. that student is sharing some knowledge with the other students when they're in the chain link course. Right.
0: Well, and that's that's kind of a wild thought in and of itself. Like I, I think you could do chain link every day of your career for your entire career and still probably pick up something from a different area. Just yeah. in, so I, so I went through a chain link training a few years ago up in Nebraska, and I have installed a fair amount of chain link. I've been doing this since I was a kid, uh, but while we were there, one guy and it was something silly about how he put fittings on before the tension bar and all that, and kind of a light bulb went off. And was like oh that's interesting so if you can only work one side this is a great solution for that interesting and it might not be learning new tricks but it might be learning new versions of a trick you Mm. already know and it could be a better version of that trick
1: absolutely absolutely.
0: i like the idea though that you're round robin between all of them because you never know what you're gonna you're gonna run into and you, you know, maybe, so maybe only do chain link and you don't want to do wood, but you go through the wood module and maybe it just serves to reinforce that, yep, this is exactly what I thought it was. And this is why I, you know, I just don't participate in that. But you might also find a few people that um, maybe in multi-generational companies that they don't do a certain thing because dad didn't do that thing, right? And maybe they go through the module and they figure out, okay, maybe, you know well one maybe this information is about 20 years out of date uh and and two maybe it's not as bad as I've been told it was sort of thing
1: yeah using my own company's example I mentioned we have a farm and ranch fence company sure my biggest fence customer is the Pittsburgh Botanic Garden, and I do all of their anti-deer fences I'm using chain link post and eight foot woven wire in a number of cases. I do a lot of the ornamental aluminum. Now we don't do ornamental aluminum, but I do it for the botanic garden because they're one of my biggest customers. And Mm -hmm. uh, the things that I see and I learn at these trainings, I'm able to apply.
0: Sure. Absolutely. And if you were to ever sub out a portion of that, that you just didn't do again, you would know, you would have foundational knowledge to say, Hey, these are the expectations for the project and that you could give realistic expectations to the client too uh, and and know what to inspect at the end of the project to make sure those expectations are met. Mm-hmm. For, for us in our business, that's vinyl. Uh, we've got a couple guys in town that focus only on vinyl, maybe not only on vinyl, but that is the main focus of their business. We don't tend to do it just because they do a great job at it, but we do have a couple clients that when they say, I'd like some vinyl, we say, well, what color would you like it? You know, it's, well, yes. The answer is, yep. You bet. We're going to do it for you because it's tied to other work, right? So, um, let's talk. Let's Absolutely. talk a little bit about. Let's talk a little bit about your project. So, um, what's the company, and and maybe what is your? you sounds like your area of expertise is ag.
1: Correct. Yeah. So the business I grew up around, my parents started it in 1981. Uh, it's called Log Cabin Fence. Nice. And we are primarily a, a ag fence contractor. Um, it basically, my dad was working in a coal mine. He kept getting laid off, and he was tired of being uh, tied to somebody else for his income. Sure. And uh, he grew up on the farm. When he was laid off, he built some fence on our family farm for my grandfather. And uh, a neighbor saw it, he said, "Boy, you did a really good job with that. Can you come over and build mine?" And log cabin fence was born. Um, and, so my, and the rest is history. Yep. So I grew up around it, you know, as a middle school or high school working with the crews. Uh, even in college, I worked with the crews. Um, after college, I worked as an auditor in Pittsburgh for about four or five years. And then I came back to the family business then. And I've been there now since, since then. It's about 17 plus years.
0: Nice. Nice. So what does the, the product mix look like? Obviously, mainly ag, but what, uh, is there, what else is in the mix for you guys?
1: Uh, most, like almost entirely ag, like I mentioned, okay. I do an occasional ornamental aluminum. Um, I do an occasional sure. wood privacy fence for someone who who wants a privacy fence. Uh, we're situated about 45 miles south of Pittsburgh. So we yeah. are kind of in farm country, but we're also nice. right in the suburbs of Pittsburgh. Um, but we do okay. a lot of high tensile. We do a lot of woven wire or board fence, split rail. Um, I actually fence is actually a smaller part of our business now we build fabric roof buildings so it's a steel framework with a fabric roof okay and that's actually the biggest part of our business now we've added that to the mix in 96 um, and that accounts for uh, almost two-thirds of my backlog right now
0: no kidding so how did that come about
1: uh basically my dad was at a trade show and he saw one of these buildings, which was built on fence posts, wooden round five inch diameter fence posts. And he was like, I need a building to store hay. I know how to put a fence post in the ground. I could build that. So he became the North American distributor for that company. It was a Canadian based company. Okay. Uh, and it kind of grew from there. So at that point in the late nineties, the only thing was a 30 foot wide structure with a, a roof that would last like seven to nine years now we have structures that can be 250 feet wide and the roof will last 25 years Uh, there's full engineering there's all kinds of custom applications and such for us we're primarily doing for our customers which are farmers you know it's ag use buildings it's hay it's equipment storage it's animals things like that
0: makes sense makes sense and it's a natural progression from one to the other
1: it is in fact i keep my crews cross-trained so my guys that know how to build fence also know how to build the buildings. And that way I can kind of push and pull my crews each direction. Uh, it makes our learning curve for new hires a bit of a stumbling block because they yeah, might sure. build split rail and then not see split rail again for another three, three months, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It is nice because I can push and pull my guys either way. And my customers utilize both projects that we, or products that we offer. Sure. Sure. Well, that makes sense to say,
0: you know, while you guys are there with doing a building, they say, hey, while you're here, or your guys might be there and be like, hey, while we're here, can Clint talk to you about, I saw some pretty rough fence over here. uh, Can we talk about that as well? Cross cells are huge, you know, and that's, we talk about, so we do a lot of wood fence. And when we're doing wood fence, obviously, we're going to talk about staining that fence, right? But we also talk about other services we offer too. Once you're there, you know, there's a conversation here about the cost of customer acquisition, right? And once you've acquired that customer, anything else you could do for that customer, the acquisition cost is zero. Right? So mm-hmm. I like how, I like how you guys are cross selling that or the opportunity to cross sell right from one to the other. Um, so, trying to think. I lost my thought here. It happens from time to time. But so primarily residential, though, I mean, yeah, in terms of agricultural.
1: Yeah, primarily we're doing farm fencing. We're doing stuff that's yeah. going to keep in cows, horses, sheep, things like that. Nice. You know, we are seeing there are getting to be fewer and fewer farmers. The, the majority of my customer who I talk to is somebody who's 60 or 70 years old. Uh, so as I'm looking at the future, I'm looking into these residential options because the South Hills of Pittsburgh is expanding. And that's an area that I can see us moving into at some point. But it's just a matter of sure. having the bandwidth and enough people to do the projects.
0: Yep. Yep. The reason I asked. So one thing we're seeing down here and everywhere is different. But to your point, you're seeing less. um Less farmers, less owner operators, I guess you might call them, and more uh, corporate farming, right? Okay. And so that's that's one thing we're seeing down here is more. Like I said, more corporations come in. You are not doing work for you know Joe Smith. You are doing work for you know Cardinal. Smith Smith Farms LLC, or yeah. you know, yeah. So which those projects aren't bad either, but it's just sure. it's a different it's a different customer, different yeah. type of customer.
1: Yeah, around here, our customers are, uh, usually it's a hobby farmer. It's somebody that works somewhere else, maybe okay. even has a business doing something, but their farm is their hobby. It's what they enjoy doing. Uh, so that's what the majority of my customers are, because in, in Southwestern PA, there's very few people that can make a living farming. Sure. Um, you know, so yeah. So they're working somewhere to support their farming habit.
0: Nice. What type of, what type of farming goes on around there?
1: Uh, we have a fair amount of beef cattle. Um, okay. there are still some sheep a uh, hundred plus years ago there were more sheep in this area than anywhere else in the country oh. um, but now beef cattle is probably the most prevalent um we do have a number of people that have the the couple horses that they like to ride so we'll do some horse sure. fence for those um but cattle would probably be the number number one animal in the area
0: now let's and if you don't want to answer it you don't have to answer this but would you rather build fence for a cattle farmer? Or an equest— and it would be an equestrian farmer. But you know, would you rather build fence for cattle or for equestrian? uh
1: one hundred percent cattle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's a completely different mindset <laughs> between the two. Um, yes. So, you know, yeah. And also, too, you know, we uh, we grew up. You know, I grew up on a beef cattle farm. My dad still operates a sixty-head beef cattle farm. Uh, so I have that connection. I don't have a connection with the equestrian crowd. (laughs) It's a, it's a different, it's a different,
0: yeah, it's different. I don't know. I don't know why we we've got both here. So we've got beef cattle and we've also have equestrian centers. Um, so my, my youngest sister showed, uh, Arabian horses for a little while, um, in, in high school and that sort of thing, middle school. Um, And so I was around that world, different world. It is wildly different because like, uh, to your point, most of my experience growing up was around cattle folk and Mm -hmm. it is just wildly different. It is wildly different, but you know, they still need fence too though.
1: So it is what it is. And I'm in a fortunate position. Um, We've been around so long, I have a 16-week backlog, and we do no marketing. Uh, my almost entire customer base is repeat customers. Um, so, I when I have looking at the job that I'm going to do, I know that person. I've done work with them, yep. even if they have cows or horses. I know what to do for <laughs> everything with it because because um, right. I have a number of really good equestrian customers on my backlog, even right sure. now. Sure. Yeah, but yeah it is there's a difference yeah but but
0: you know what you're getting into and that's yep. that's the thing and, and that that is painting this picture with an incredibly broad brush right it's sure. i've met some cattle folks that i do not care for at all you know what i mean it's yep. you get you get both you get both yep. but let's check in see who is watching guys if you're watching with us uh drop a name and where you're from Finch is with us from the opposite side of the country from over on the west coast. Sounds like some valuable training and a good volunteer project. Rising tides. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's see if we missed any up top. Robert says yay Canada. So one vote for Canada there. Uh, we're not voting, but if we were Robert would vote Canada. Uh, steel remodeling says it's amazing. Thanks for sharing. Thank you for watching, we appreciate it. Of course, uh, Mark is also dropping all of the links for things that we're talking about in the chat right now, uh, in the comment section. We'll also, once this turns to a recording, so once we're done, give or take 30 minutes, this will turn into a recorded live on the YouTube channel. And we'll go ahead and insert the links we're putting in the chat now into the description of that video. So you guys can find those. But really, so, but it's incredibly easy to find though. Right, Clint? It was, no, let me see it. i make sure I get this right. The number four, com. That's right. Easy peasy. And then I was listening. So I was listening as you guys coordinated where to find the links. Upper right-hand corner, events, and it all has it laid out for you.
1: That's exactly that. But the right-hand side has.
0: No lost clan he'll be back with us freedom fence of georgia hello fellas hello freedom fence of georgia talking about no dig we were talking about no dig a little bit ago uh this training in sebring florida in february uh will be utilizing the uh ipost system american fence association says cow all day all right <laughs> one one vote for cattle i guess
1: That's. I see multiple votes for cattle. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, actually all the votes I think so far are cattle. Uh, Ken Throckmorton says cows all day. Absolutely, my Fence Life podcast gives it a moo. All right. (laughs) My name is Dan, and I'm from New Orleans. Uh, Okay, Dan. All right, and I, I don't think the missus would appreciate you saying you're a single white male. I'm not getting into I that. I'm not gonna tip-
1: to, I was paying attention to the 39 years old part of that.
0: Well, if I knew that wasn't true. Just going into <laughs> it. So we're not even going there. Uh, Dan, how much, so you voted cattle. How much is, is New Orleans a big cattle town? I don't, Hmm. I don't know. I didn't see anyone. I was in town, but maybe, maybe. He might be voting cattle just for a good steak at dinner. Hey. I bet that's exactly what it is. Well, and and again, so painting with an incredibly broad brush. I'm sure uh, Louisiana has plenty of cattle. Divine Fence says, hello, Joe and Clint, your friends in Massachusetts. Hope everyone has a great weekend. Hello, Divine Fence. My face Life says, we do a few every year. Well, there you go. Okay. I stand corrected. Martin Lee says, hey, guys, watching from Durham, UK. Hello, Martin. Appreciate you tuning in from across the pond. All right. So uh, it's funny how you see, I mean, obviously, on the East Coast, you see a lot of uh, towns and city names uh, from across the pond, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I was born in a town called Cary outside Raleigh, North Carolina, but uh we'd go to durham all the time watch durham bulls play uh it was it was a heck of a good time but anyway fun fun to see that but what what clint what else are we missing here we've covered a lot of ground in a
1: little bit of time yeah yeah no i mean there's uh i get the question a lot what does NAFCA do for its members and yeah. one of the things that you know i've been the director since 2016 so i have seven years under my belt now I've never went into the, like, oh, we're going to get discounted credit card processing or something like that, because any more, you can kind of do those things on your own just as sure. effectively, because sure. that whole world has changed. Uh, but the things that we do, these training things that we're doing in Florida, we run that at cost. Uh, so like I mentioned, I think it's 3500 That's all in. You know, you get to Florida, that's your hotel, that's your food, that's your training. You're not going to find that anywhere else. Sure. And we're able to do that because our board of directors and our instructors for these schools all volunteer their time. Yeah. Uh, so our instructors aren't paid to come to Florida and teach how to build fence. Yeah. Um, they're doing it because they want to improve the industry. Uh, so being able to be part of those trainings, being able to be part of the service projects, that's how we benefit our members. That's how we benefit the industry. Uh, so I just thought I'd toss that out there. I get that question yeah. a good bit. Um, I don't have somebody say, hey, why should I join? Right. Right. If if it's an established company, I'll be point blank. I'll say, look, there's nothing I really need to do for your company. Your company's built, you have the backlog. This is you giving back to the industry. This is you supporting and helping elevate the industry.
0: Well, and I would also argue there's probably a networking component to it as well.
1: Sure. Absolutely.
0: Right. It's just growing your list of contacts right or, or the folks that you can reach out to when you get into pinch when you're going through one of these trainings you meet a handful of guys and gals that you've never known before you work side by side you know if we're talking about the arlington project we're building we're taking down fence we're building fence and now we've got someone that we can reach out to six months down the road and say hey when we were there we were, we had a conversation about whatever can i ask you a follow-up question about that Um, or it's just knowing also somebody as you travel across the country, you know, somebody right. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, if I'm traveling through, you know, if I'm traveling through Nebraska and, and i stop off by Lincoln, well, I know now I know Matt Warner, I can reach out to Matt. Or if I'm traveling over on the East coast, I'm, if I'm in the, if I'm in the Pittsburgh area, I know I could reach out to you. Right. It's just knowing it's having a list of contacts too.
1: I think it also, there's this level of credibility that you have, um, Right now on social media, whatever, probably 15 or 20 different Facebook fence groups, right? Yeah.
0: And you know, like both, I'm
1: sure you see it. You see somebody asked the a question, they're either replied to a snark or yeah. they're replied to with really bad information. Like you see sure. the reply and you're like, there's no chance that's going to work. But for somebody <laughs> yeah. who's just starting their business and just trying to grow, they don't know that that's bad information. Right. So that gives you that network of people that you're like, hey, I have an opportunity to do wood. I know you do, would what do you think about this? What should I look at? You know, you know. uh so it, it builds that network of intelligent, um <laughs> skilled people that really know what's going on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely couldn't agree more. And you'll probably like look, the question a lot of fence guys have is you know, to your point, why NAFCA? So say like I'm I'm in different associations, right? So why why another one? I think and I'll, I'll give you my answer, then I'll see how close it is maybe to yours, is that while there is overlap, a lot of times you'll see folks in one organization that's not part of the other one, right? Mm-hmm. And so there will be overlap, understood. But it's also, when we're talking about growing a list of contacts, I've got a list of contacts that's f- fairly long. But when I go to the NAFCA event, there's a very good chance – I'm going to meet 15 20 people that i'd never met before even though i'm in different associations as well
1: we have a number of dually and triply aligned members um sure we do uh you know it used to only be dual now we're saying triply aligned um, <laughs> yeah. but we do and, and you're exactly right there are people i'm sure when you come to arlington and when we're in the sessions on thursday and we're at the project i guarantee you're going to be people that you meet that you didn't even know were in the industry just because the industry is that large. You know, as as Brian from FWA says, we're only touching what 2%, 5% of defense contractors. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We were having that conversation
1: earlier. Yeah. Yeah. So the industry is just that big um, that you are going to get to meet some new people and see a new way to do something and see something you might be like, I want to incorporate that into my business.
0: Well, and timing is everything too. To where, you know, you could pick up something now that is relevant to your business that may not have been relative relevant to your business two years ago, three years ago. But, I mean, that's so that when you say AAA line, like I think I fall in that bucket. I, I do fall in that bucket to where I participate in them all because one, I don't want to miss anything right I want to be plugged in everywhere possible so I can meet folks I can learn new things and just have the opportunity to grow as a contractor because like I said there will be overlap whether we're talking about membership whether we're talking about training projects whatever there will I'm sure be overlap but there's quite a lot there that doesn't overlap either
1: agreed the other thing too the fence industry is so unique you know in any town, there's a builder's association of a bunch of framers building homes or roofers. But the fence industry, we don't have that kind of representation. You know, the government doesn't view us as a trade. Um, sure. And you, there are things that you can commiserate with with other fencers that yep. a framer or a roofer or a landscaper is just not going to get. So you kind of build that rapport and and you have those friends all over the country you know when i see something funny fence related i've got a number of people i'm sending a text to <laughs> like hey you know, listen to this podcast where it's a you know it's bert kreischer but he's talking about being a fence builder or whatever right you know. right right so it's fun to have that network of friends that you really wouldn't have otherwise
0: absolutely Absolutely. Well, and it's and it's people from different parts of the country, too, because I think and not only obviously not only in the United States, uh, because it seems like uh, when I'm seeing people active in organizations, it, it also seems like they're hitting different parts of the region. Right. Whether mm-hmm. we're talking about the East Coast or the West Coast or up north into Canada or the bulk of the Midwest, it seems like also, again, overlap, but uniqueness there as well. Actually, you and I met at a uh, at an event in Philly. That's right. I was up there. uh, We were. Yep, absolutely doing uh, doing a stateing university up there in Philadelphia. Where we in person, we met first in person. But so there's something to be said here, right? About cross training, you know, about being cross, you know, members in multiple associations. Um, I I come from the point of view where I'm here for it all. If, if there is another area, if there's another group of folks I can go talk to and plug in with and interact with, I'm absolutely here for it, so. Exactly. Very good, very good. Guys, if you've got last minute questions or comments, drop them in the comments below. These shows are always like, you never know how long they're going to go. You know what I mean? Like sometimes it'll, we'll get on a vein, we'll go forever, and sometimes we cover everything very succinctly. And this is one of those times, I think. so. I, yeah, I think so. Well, let's go through the chat and see. Um, so, like I said, Mark is dropping in the comments below. Let's See what TikTok's got. TikTok, Justin Nary's with us. Crowd, all, uh, Justin is also voting cows. So all day, <laughs> Justin Nary. He's from Iowa. I could see that. I I could see welcome that being cattle country. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, all right. Is there is there anything else, Clint? That that we wanted to talk about that we haven't covered? I think we covered a lot about NAFCA, uh, about the different events coming up, opportunities to get plugged in.
1: Uh, Generally, I look forward to the business opportunity, or uh, operations training. I think we're going to have a good group of people that are there. Uh, I've gotten to know the guys at ArcSight. Um, so I come to the table with a little bit of a different set of glasses on because I'm a farm contractor compared to residential or commercial. You know, we don't do sure. chain link. We don't do those things. So something like ArcSight doesn't really apply to me, but I'm working sure. with ArcSight to develop like an ag part to their software. Nice. Um, you know, the, the my salesman that some of the guys are using, you know, for a farm yeah. fencer, that doesn't really work. Um, But it's been really great to be part of NAFCA and see what all of these other companies are using to streamline and become more efficient because that's what we all need to do. You know, everyone's running their business. Everybody has limited time to run their business. Uh, So it's been really great to get to know different contractors from around the country. And I think that this business operations training is going to be a really nice amalgamation of people that have different backgrounds, different skill sets. And the discussion that's going to come out of it, I think, is going to be really top notch. So anybody thinking about it, the registration will go live next week. Okay. Be sure to get signed up. We are going to have a cap. If we do get 70 people, we're going to be capped. We're going to be out of space. Okay. Uh, so sign up early. If you're a new company and you've never came to one of these before, you get the benefit of a year and a half for the cost of one year membership. Absolutely. So uh, That's a nice little perk that we're doing for, for this. Uh, so we look forward to seeing everybody there and just getting a chance to, to grab a drink at the Copperwood Tavern the night before, uh, to going through and learning all about this and then working alongside everybody on, on Friday.
0: Yeah, I think ops training is becoming more and more of a topic of conversation. I think we're probably in that, a lot of companies are probably in that stage of the growth cycle of, I started it myself, me and a couple guys started building fence and then we formalized it with having maybe two crews, a crew or two crews. So now I'm in the portion, you know, the stage of life of, I need to start working on my business, not in my business. Right? So we need to start running this like a business. Instead of me and some guys that build fence on the side, this is a full-time operation needs to be run as such. I think there's a lot of folks in that position right now. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Martin's got a question. Martin says, have you had any experience with plastic fence in the United States? So, yes. So I think we we would refer to it as vinyl or polyvinyl. Um, we don't install a bunch of it. I do install – we do install some of it, but not a lot. We do upon request from certain clients. I had a couple of odd jobs on sites using it, and it is an absolute nightmare. Okay. Well, there can be that. There can be that. You know, especially um, – Especially without training, right? So especially if you get into it, um, uh, there's with YouTube now, there's, we're growing into more and more content availability, but without putting hands on it, it can, it can be a struggle. It can be a struggle if you haven't done many, uh, it says, uh, stacked on pallets when delivered, uh, oh, so maybe pre-made panels then, uh, and all the panels sagged with the heat. Well, that's that could happen. It probably, it's probably more of a, um, more of a vendor issue maybe than a material issue. I was going to say, it
1: sounds like that might be a lower quality material, uh, which that's one of the things you learn is you want to find the quality material you're going to work with. Yep. 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 You start to learn about
0: wall thickness, about ribbed rails, about, or maybe inserts in rails, that sort of thing. Um, It gets, it gets quite hot here in our part of the states. I don't know the the Fahrenheit Celsius conversion rate here, um, but I mean our summers are 100, 110, uh, which is blazing hot. So, uh, yeah. So it uh, we we deal with heat here in the states, especially with polyvinyl. And so it depends on it depends on the manufacturer, and maybe not even the manufacturer, just the specifications. Um, there's manufacturers here in the states that have uh, different product lines that would have different qualities right you may be different wall thickness maybe some of them are hollow rail versus ribbed rail versus insert rail sort of thing is a good better best um, that would be my now and again limited experience so like let's keep that in consideration we are about at the limit of my experience now um, but but martin you might reach out to the uh to the vendor and just well, one, if it's sagging, you know, that does. It sounds like a, you know the vendor should probably maybe take some responsibility for that. Um, but it depends. Everywhere is different, right? Especially across the pond. I don't. I don't really know how things are done there. Um, but here in the states, that's something I would probably try to hold the. I would at least have a conversation with the vendor about it, uh, with pictures and that sort of thing. Just saying, hey, here is, here's what's going on, sort of
1: thing. Clint, what are your thoughts? Uh, That's exactly what I was thinking there. Um, You know, I'm like you, I don't have a ton of vinyl experience. Um, uh, We do touch it occasionally. I just finished up a pretty large project about two months ago using the the BuffTech four rail for a farm. Um, But I haven't installed that for a number of years just because in this area that's not been terribly in demand. A lot of the customers don't want to write the check because it is a little bit more pricey. Right. But it's going to look great in 30 years still.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, and that's the thing. So it's funny also how things are cyclical, right? Like you'll go through, you'll do, we did vinyl ranch rail for a long time. I mean, we had, we didn't get to the point of, of buying the routers, but we had all of the notchers. We had all of the extraction tools. We had all of the everything. We did a ton of three and four rail ranch rail. And then we didn't. it was and and i think you're right i think price wise if we're comparing it to you know a a split rail we do quite a bit of split rail now uh or just a wood rail in general Mm -hmm. it's the the price difference is quite a quite a bit yeah yeah Uh, let's see so this is a loaded question so reds wants to know what is good pay for someone who does fence hourly uh i am happy with that i make just i'm happy with what i make i just want to see others opinions reds it's gonna it's gonna vary no matter where depending on where you are Mm -hmm. right and this is the analogy so so we're i'm in southwest missouri springfield missouri specifically and we have an incredibly low cost of living here i mean so a three-bedroom two-bath house two-car garage runs about even i mean currently with Inflation and all the rest about one hundred seventy five thousand dollars, and that's for a brand new house. Maybe, maybe it's two hundred. Like let's let's say it's two hundred. Uh, whereas then you'll go into other markets where that same house could be a half a million dollars. I mean, so Clint, in your area, three three two two brand new. So say sixteen hundred ish square foot.
1: Yeah, that's going to be probably three um, yeah. three hundred fifty in this area,
0: and that's the point. So. When when and I when I'm talking to people about what where we're at pay wise, I have to preface it right because then the next number that comes out of my mouth, if someone's in a market where th- that house is three hundred fifty thousand dollars, the number I say is going to sound incredibly low, right? Because it's different, you know. It's I was so I. I watch Barstool Sports and they were in New York talking about starting pay there. Starting pay there was like a hundred thousand dollars. And they're like, Oh, how do you how could you possibly do that? Like I, I could where do you live? Do you live with your mom in the basement? Like, how can you do that for a hundred thousand dollars? Meanwhile, someone here that gets a hundred thousand a year, that's pretty good money. That's yeah, really well. good money. <laughs> so it's all relative to to where you are. Right. So, and same thing, especially if, when you get to like West Coast numbers, those numbers throw throw whatever number you're thinking completely out. Right. That three bedroom, two bad, two car garage is a million dollars or something in different areas of California. So, you just that's not me not saying right. Like, I don't, I don't mind going over our pay scale, but I don't think it would be relevant to any conversation outside of Springfield, Missouri. So Reg, if you're in Springfield, Missouri, it would make sense for us to talk about this. And I don't mind it. This, let's pause and talk about pricing conversations. You can talk about, you can talk about what you pay, right? Like, so we could talk about labor rates. We could talk about material rates, the conversations that we don't have on this channel and you shouldn't have in general are the price of the finished goods right so if clint and i are on here going yeah you know how much for six foot privacy fence we're at such and such and clinton says well i'm at this and that that's where you start having antitrust conversations right and that's a whole different conversation in and of itself but i don't mind t- i don't mind talking labor rates as long as we understand they don't really mean anything so it's kind of like what's it what is what is milk cost by the gallon, or what should i pay for a gallon of gas a gallon of diesel Well, I'll tell you. So I ran to Tulsa and back. So from me to Tulsa's three-ish hours, two fifty or three fifteen, depending on traffic. Uh, Here in town, diesel's three fifty-eight a gallon. That's what I filled up for this morning. It was three nineteen a couple places on the way. It was three thirty. It was in the three thirties, and I got to Tulsa and it was three sixty something. And I saw all the different price variations coming, and that's in a three-hour radius of Springfield. So it's different. Um... Martin says, I'm on a price per meter. Well, so see, this is what we're talking about, though, Martin. So here in the States, which I understand, not on the rest of us are talking about pricing, but in the States, this is a dangerous conversation because it gets into like the Sherman Act. So one of the stipulations within the Sherman Act, which is talking about uh, antitrust and all that, um, anti-collusion, is price comparison, is one of the one of the things they look at. And so if, if Clint and I were to have a conversation about what we, what we charge for fence, that could be seen as price comparison. Now we're obviously in different markets. We're not actively trying to fix prices, but my opinion, one person's opinion here is that's a slippery slope. You don't even want to try to go down. Like once you don't want to try to climb back from that is what I'm saying.
1: I just had a guy this week call me and want to know what eight foot anti-deer woven wire was per foot. And his reason for calling wasn't because he was interested in having me install it. He just built it for someone, and (laughs) he wanted to know what he should charge them. And and I told him, yeah, I I said, you know, I said, you really should have this ironed out before you install the fence.
0: (laughs) Yeah, your cart is firmly ahead of the horse
1: in this scenario. He said, well, I, I feel like I'm giving them a fair number, but they're giving me pushback. I was like, well, this is exactly why you established that before you do the work. Like, here's just a little bit of business advice.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, you're, you're in a very bad position at this point because now states vary. Here in Missouri, once you install it, it's a permanent fixture of that property. They own it. Mm-hmm. Now you can go through lien process, but you could go through a lien process. But the first thing they're going to ask for is the contract. Yeah. What were your contract terms? What was the price that you set ahead? Oh, there wasn't a price set beforehand. Well, what would you like us to ta- you know, that's a tough spot. That's a tough spot. but uh, it's price is such a weird. So so Nathan and I had this conversation yesterday when we were co- recording a podcast in that I I could move Ozark fence right next door to radius. In the, his business in Tulsa, and we could be the same size, same number of employees. We could even pay him the same, and we could have the same mortgage. We could have same, same, same. We would likely still charge differently per foot. Well, and that's a different conversation. You don't really price per foot anymore anyway. But we a three hundred foot project with a couple of gates. Our numbers would look different because he might be in growth mode, and I might be fine with where we're at, and so we're in maintain mode, right? And so. Only one of the areas where those could differ, much less it just comes down to goals. And so, you know, Clint, you see these comments in these Facebook groups where it's like, uh, so one, is uh, it yesterday, or the day before, somebody was like, four foot, five foot, six foot chain link, what should I charge? Go.
1: <laughs> that's, that's on brand. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not, it was not an unusual question for some of these groups, but it's, it's like, I, I don't know. I I mean, basic, like generic, generic answer cost to install the project, which would be your labor's material equipment times two is a starting point. Now (laughs) I say that because I've said this before. And some people are (laughs) saying, it's funny, the difference in answers you get. Some of you are like, you're ripping off your customers. How can you sleep at night? Like, well, mm, okay. And then the other side is like, I could never get by on that. Like how do you how do you sleep at night for not charging enough and, you know, taking it out, you know, not bringing home enough money for your family anyway. Both answers you see in these comments. Right. Um, but it's but that's the answer, right? Is like figure out your cost to install it and then add a markup that you're comfortable with that covers your overhead and that's your number, you know. But and the price per foot thing like this is so I don't know who started this conversation. I heard Sean King first talk about it when he was talking about like set full sections of vinyl. Um, but it really resonated because his point and it's right. It doesn't matter what kind of fence you build. So we build a lot of wood. So when you price it by the foot, well, what happens when your sections don't you can't get perfectly perfectly proportioned sections? Like what happens if it's. 74 and a quarter feet. Well, that doesn't divide into eight foot, right? If we're, right. if we're using eight foot on center, um, well, we're still, we buy eight foot two by fours, right? So we're going to have to end up cutting down some two by fours, and who pays for that? Well, if you price by the foot, the contractor pays for that. You only charged them for X amount of this two by four and you cut the rest off and threw it away. Well, you paid for the full thing. Yep. So, that resonated with me and i heard him talk about that a few years ago and and we made a we made a decision like we're not pricing per foot anymore it there was a day where it made sense right i'm it there was a day in our business at least that it made sense right you just have a price per you know, take a hundred projects average amount this is the average price per foot okay mm-hmm. but with technology especially in today's day and age you can figure out your cost to complete that project in you know minutes depending on the site you mentioned arc site depending on the software seconds right so there's no reason to be doing price per foot in general anymore um i understand it's
1: on the farm side of things i still price things by the foot um, because i'm i'm dealing with 2500 feet thirty five hundred feet okay and for that so most products are braced so i'm doing one price for the per foot of the fence and then each end brace each corner brace okay. is charged for that so that's kind okay. of compensating for that because a uh, thousand feet in a straight line is going to be less expensive than a thousand feet in the square if you just do your overall yeah. cost because all the bracing yeah. and gates and on. uh so on the farm side it's for a little bit of a side. different view on that um but when i am doing sure. those uh like when I do that aluminum for the botanic garden or whenever I'm doing a split rail, it's all by the sections. Because it's yep. like, to your point, if you have 75 feet of split rail, that's 10 foot sections, you're going to have to cut down sections. You used yep. 80 feet of material. Um, right. But if you only charge 75, you just lost out on that five feet in that material. Area.
0: Well, absolutely. And, and this, like any answer probably varies by situation. Right. So if I'm thinking about probably the closest thing that we do that correlates with ag would be chain link in that. So if it's a 70 foot run, I don't charge them for 100 foot of wire, right? It comes in 50 foot rolls. I'll charge them for 70 feet, knowing that I can take the remainder of that chain link and use it elsewhere. Right. But I do charge for a full stick of top rail because yeah. I'm going to have to cut down some top rail now. Depending on the length, maybe we can reuse it, right? And so there's a, there, again, there's that situational too, to where we fabricate our own gates. So we'll bring back if it's longer than four feet, we'll bring it back, put it in the short stack, and then we'll we'll turn it into a gate sometime. Um, but you know, it's it's one of those things where you charge them for the full post, not for the height of the post, right? But so anyway, situation answers are situational, sort of thing. <laughs> Um, so red says, uh, he's Oklahoma city makes $20 an hour, six days a week. So, well, okay. Well, $20 an hour here would be decent money. I mean, it would, it would be decent here in Springfield. It would probably, but see Oklahoma city is a lot larger, right? And I don't know the cost of living in Oklahoma city. I was just, my, my whole experience with Oklahoma city was fence tech. (laughs) So that was, that was probably not a good representation of the cost of living in Oklahoma city or around it. Um, I don't, I don't know reds. I mean, like I said here, the only answer I can give you is here. That would be decent money. You know, so in our company, uh, quick math, that would be roughly almost what a team lead would, would make. Um, so I don't, know, but your experience will vary. That's, that's the hard part of this. uh there were a few. There was a question here uh, in TikTok. Mav says, "How long would you say it takes to get a middle level of skill of being able to put up chain link?" Entirely loaded question, but I I don't know. It depends. <laughs> yes, that is a, a middle level of skill. Um, I let, let's say competent. Let's say competent. So. You you could be trusted to do it somewhat on your own, but maybe not run a crew. Um, we could get somebody there and probably if if they're willing to learn and and all of that, um, I would say we could probably get them there in a month. Um, depends on depends on the individual, I would say, um, and maybe maybe that's a conversation too about training programs and what what a company's training looks like. We're still we still train in the field. Um, I know there's companies out there, and I'm honestly a little bit jealous of their setups to where they have in-house training. You know, they'll put on their own training, so like their internal training seminars, like monthly, where they'll just have a day where all they do is run people through training. Uh, and they'll have, like, not simulators, but they'll have a dedicated area where this is our chain link area, this is our wood area, this is the, this is how we do it. And then I, I like that idea a lot we are not there right now.
1: Uh, so we do a lot of training in the field. What does your guys' training look like, Clint? In the field. Um, basically, uh, one of my foremen will take in and work with that person and go over those things. Like I mentioned, we do so many different things. The the fence disciplines are different. Woven wire, high tensile, coated high tensile, rail products, split rail, board fence structures, putting framework together, putting the post in. Uh, so we just do it all in the field. Um, when I have a promising employee, I'll take him to fence training school. I brought one of my guys down to fence training school this past year. Yep. Uh, so when I see somebody that I, I see foreman potential out of, I'll put them through the school. Um, but yep. we do pretty much everything like that. We also have our own farm, so occasionally we might do some work on the farm, and that way it's more hands-on with either myself or my dad showing the guys what to do with bracing or tie-offs and stuff like that.
0: Well, and that kind of rolls back to the real world training, you know, scenarios, right? When we're talking about uh, the project in Sebring being 600 feet, there's a good chance you learn more in that than you would in a controlled environment training scenario anyway.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: But the controlled environment training, you can also do training on rain days. So it's like it's it, or snow days or inclement weather in general, uh, you could still handle some training. So I don't know. I see, I see it. Well, and I'm sure the guys with the controlled environment also train in the field too. So I don't, I don't think it's either or, but uh, one day, one day we'll say that. Well, Clint, thank you so much for coming on. I really it's do nice appreciate you being so giving of your time uh, guys. If you have any questions, Clint, how can they get in touch with you? If they do have questions before signing up for one of these events?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the links are all posted out there, as I've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can go on there. Uh, our email address is on there, but our email address is real simple. It's info at for NAFCA.com. So send me an email. Perfect. We are very active on our Facebook page. So hop on to Facebook for the NAFCA Facebook page. Um, there is a newsletter you can sign up for on the website. So if you go to the bottom of one of the pages there, you can sign up for our newsletter. We send a message out about once every week, once every two weeks. Uh, just updates, what's going on, things like that. Um, but definitely, hold us up. Also, our phone number—you can text us too uh, Obviously, that's a moving trend. A lot of people like to communicate via text instead of email. Sure. Uh, so, feel free to send a text to our phone number, which is right on our website there. Um, and we can answer any questions, give you links to the right part of the the page to look at, that kind of thing.
0: Very good, very good, Clint. I appreciate you. Like I said, being so giving your time, being so accessible. Uh, this was. Uh, well, so let's say this too. So you and I will be hosting a live conversation on the NAFCA channel on
1: Friday. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, Friday, 3.30 Eastern. We're going to go live on the uh, the NAFCA Facebook page and talk about this business operations training specifically because the link will all be live to register and everything that day. Beautiful. So that's that's where this started. And
0: uh, when did we have this? We had that count Two days ago maybe we had this conversation. of like saying, you said, yeah, hey, would you like, like to come on? Yeah. He said, hey, would you like to come on and talk about it? And the answer was yes. Also, would you like to come on the show? We'll we'll do some cross promotion sort of thing. Um, so, but I appreciate you being so accessible uh,
1: to say, yep, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, being, giving your every support. time on a Saturday. No, no, we appreciate your support. You know, and for everybody out there, Ozark Wireworks donated the chain link that we did used at our training school this past year so and it's it's members like you that enable us to do these things you know we're able to run fence training school at cost and we're able to do the arlington project because our members are so giving of their material and their time
0: yeah and that was (laughs) that was a funny story of getting that wire to you guys because it was like i had it planned out we were going to ship it and it was going to be great it was going to be there like a day or two ahead of time perfect and then like a snowpocalypse shows out of nowhere. It wasn't on the extended forecast or anything. And all of a sudden now we're shipping at FedEx Freight and I'm taking it there and I'm dropping it off. I'm like, okay, whew, it's there and it's going. Well, then I start getting weather updates from FedEx, like weather delays. Like, well, if, you're, if your parcel is going through this portion of the country, then it could be affected. And so I'm looking at maps going, well, I don't know. Does it go through there? How is it routed? I don't know. But all's well that ends well. It showed exactly. up in time, it sounds like it did it did we appreciate that <laughs> no it's it's like you said it's it's industry support that makes these organizations great it's just support of those in the industry i guess is what i'm saying um and if we can be a part of that then absolutely it makes sense if it helps someone gain some you know additional education and maybe helps with their future success then it's absolutely worth it and also it's I'll, I'll be honest. It's a little self-serving too, because I, I was asking for feedback. And it was like, "Hey, I need to know. Like, was it good to work? This was in the very beginnings. Was it good to work with? Is there any improvements we can make on it?" So it was. It was a win-win. We were getting feedback from uh, from the instructors, and so it was good. It was good. We appreciate it no problem at all guys if you have any questions you can always reach out to me joe at the fence expert show uh, if you've got links you'd like me to review you can send them over there questions comments anything now let's talk about something for a second you won't likely receive a same day reply that inbox gets a bit crowded so it takes me a little bit to sift through um Sift through, right so there's a lot there's good legitimate questions in there and then there's a lot of spam that shows up from i'm just gonna say it from overseas manufacturers and they like to flood inboxes with all of all of their stuff and i'm sure like i'm and i'm sure it's because i say it on the show and then that and google hears it and puts it somewhere and anyway so same day replies aren't a thing on that but I will respond. Or you can leave a comment on this. If you're watching this as a recorded uh, episode, you can leave a comment. I get pinged on my phone when I do get a comment. Again, likely not same-day replies, uh, but I do try to get back with everybody as soon as possible. Once again, you guys should check out NAFCA if you haven't already. It's a great organization. I like interacting with everyone that has to do with NAFCA, Um, really legitimately good people that come from the industry, and I think that's important. Guys, for now, Joe Everest, the fence expert, reminding you that good fences make good neighbors, and I'll see you next time.